What's up, everyone? It's Large William. I just wanted to take a moment here to send thank yous to some fine gentlemen who assisted in our hour of need. Um, I was having some problems getting a rather lengthy voice memo, but that's how I record some things when I'm on the move. Um, when I am recording some stuff on the move, I use voice notes through my iPhone. Unfortunately, it wasn't detecting that I had a, an almost hour-long one. I couldn't email it, couldn't get it off my phone. And despite losing most of the music on my iPhone, unfortunately, uh, I was able to get an episode put together for you guys. So it's going to be here shortly, uh, as soon as I'm done talking, naturally. So bear with me here as I just blather on for a moment and say thank you to those that assisted in trying to get uh, to get this episode off the ground because... You know, be it superstition, pride, passion, whatever you want to call it, um, it's important for us to get something out every week to you guys. So, Mr. Higgins, my favorite haberdasher, Ian, a wonderful man, a wonderful podcaster, Rufus, my favorite lab coat wearing New York gentleman, the uncool cat, whose voice you're going to hear pontificating here in a moment, thank you. Without you guys, this episode would not have come out. I took Higgins uh, and and uh, Rufus's advice on one half, and the second half required Mr. Davison's uh, application he told me about. So thank you, and without further ado, here is this week's episode of the, Mid- the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Ride, with 110% more people toys. I told so, welcome to the Midnight Ride. We have a special guest. There's two ladies trying to cross the street right there. One's wearing leather pants. Are they, are they both wearing leather pants? Or one? And they there just waved go. at me. There you go. You, you still got it, partner. Yeah, I uh, thought I was a homeless man. <laughs> um, homeless man driving a car. Yes. And I'd like to change the name of this to the 1243 ride. That's right. Well, we're still in the midnight hour, though. Sorry. Right? We, we let me have it. So I have, this is a first guest appearance by someone that's our favorite feline aficionado. Uh, we were just talking about gravity. Uh, Chris has said it's his, oh num- his number one with the bullet this year. Yeah, um, I, I, I think Will, uh, number one with the bullet if I was shooting a target. I really didn't like it. I really found it, uh, I, I have a problem, I guess uh, we were mentioning it, with the end of Argo. Yep. Um, I think Argo's a brilliant film. Like, the scene with the, I guess... In the marketplace, the, was real, I thought it was really tense. The opening is incredible. Yeah. Um, with the use of documentary footage yep. and, uh, you know, fictional footage and stuff. Oh, that was re- seamless. Yeah. They got that, they nailed that. And then you look at uh, the scene with the script reading. Yep. Versus a hostage, I get, was it the hostage negotiations or the reading of the uh, demands? Right, yeah. Was brilliant, once again, like mm-hmm. this B-movie. Uh, and then at the end, it kind of, and I I don't even care about the truth part and stuff. It's just like, it okay, like this happens. Too much. Then this happens. To the, then the, this happens. Yeah. And now they're driving beside the Where, plane. Which, which, that point, it gets to be too much. They've piled too much on with the plane trying to take off and the guys in the jeep you know going crazy and yeah it was like how such a great film evolved into this how does it end the same and not to diminish this film because i love this film but how does it end there's Look people at these kicking a idiots. bus you're probably gonna lose that one idiots <laughs> a double-decker bus wow fight 
fight the power yeah. of the double-decker bus. But yeah. But it's, uh, it's all hot, and I'm not to diminish this film because I love this film, but it's like, how does your film end the same as Fast Fast 6 on the runway? Yeah. You know, it's... Oh, it, it's a terrible ending. It's, yeah. it's but probably... But they needed that ending. I don't, I don't think they did. I think Hang on, sorry. I think the producers needed that ending. They wanted that ending. Yeah, I, I agree. But I think Gravity is the ending of Argo yeah. feature length. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I great. don't think the ideas behind it, my, for myself, were that uh, it, it, it didn't connect enough or there wasn't... Like, it wasn't like something that, okay, well, we have this movie with Sandra Bullock discovering something and this and that and I'm really being carried by the ideas behind it it's essentially yeah it just it really didn't do much for me and I was just talking with a fellow outside Chris, of, a fellow Chris a fellow Chris uh, outside of uh, Possession yeah which is a movie jam packed with ideas yes in fact so many ideas that uh, I I will be happy to say the director is smarter than me Oh, yeah. I, I, you can't... I think that's a film that's brimming with a lot of emotion and ideas. Oh, my God, and, yeah. And certainly... And I, I know that when I was first looking to, to see the film, because uh, this was the third time I've seen it over the past probably six years or so, um, I, it was that tree looks really nice, man. Wow. It does. Um, it's just a random tree, Wilsaw. Yeah. He's super high, right? Very. <laughs> that tree looks really nice. <laughs> But, uh, um... Oh, I totally made a wrong turn, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You can go this left way. To, here. You're going to go left? You're going to go right. It's a one-way. You better go right. Um, yeah, because you're going to hit Spadina if you go right. No, wouldn't you? Won't you? You're going to stick Spadina. That's not the only Spadina I'm going to hit. That's right, man. I guess, yeah, would be the thing. Stupid but, joke anyway. Go on. That's okay, but, uh... Nice. I love vagina. <laughs> Vaginas. <laughs> nice. Um, we were talking about, oh yeah, but, but the film, I was a bit, I found it daunting and I was a bit nervous, like, cause I'd heard so much about it and I was like, how am I going to understand this film? But mm-hmm. I know that, uh, Zulowski in interviews has kind of bristled at it being this intellectual film. Like, I almost feel like he's an anti-intellectual in some ways, like. Oh, without question, he hyper, like, look at the intellectual he made in possession, mm-hmm. Heinrich. Yeah, is the intellectual. Right. That's right. And he has stated in his commentary track, I hate Heinrich. Yeah. Um, I think he's an intellectual in the sense that, yes, he definitely, and as we were talking, Possession fits great in the uh, films alongside Antichrist and The, and the Brood, Brood. Yeah. About a director who has recently undergone something horrible. Uh, Emotionally, a divorce. Yeah, it's emotionally, yeah, it's devastating. Yeah, um, and makes an angry, emotional film about it, which yep. I guess a lot of people in the theater found quite amusing. Yeah, it's that 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 um, too cool mentality you have to laugh at things. I, I could see it at the beginning because it starts off and it's a new thing. Yeah. Like it's okay. Well, these are very stylized performances. These are very stagey performances. They even mention their it's like being in a play. Sure. Um, but after a while, you'd think you'd clue in. You don't well, have to keep laughing at it the I, whole way through. I think if you're coming to see a film at uh, 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, you're coming to see Possession, I, I, I would hope you would know what you're in for. It's not you a think. blind watch. It's not, uh, the, uh, it's not blue is the warmest color, or it's, mm-hmm. an, it's, a, it's an award buzz film. 
Yeah. You know, it's very much a, a called midnight kind of film. And we should say we've reviewed this film on the show um, some time ago. I can't recall what we even paired it with now, but um, you can hear a night length review. We're just going to kind of riff on some stuff about the film. But yeah, it, it, it throws a lot at you. And it, I think I, I loved watching it again and seeing how, because you and I had spoke, I think, the other night about how the film can kind of, um, and, a lot, and a lot of films can do this. They're very, you know, art being subjective you look at it at different stages in your life and things can mean things even yeah, if it's absolutely. subtle shifts in how you perceive them the thing I'm, I always love about the film is um, Johnny much is made of her performance as the wife Anna but I don't think enough is made of the fact that she plays dual roles and there's a duality mm-hmm. to her performance or performances and I love I think that it's right to me the way I interpret the teacher character they always show her in white she's always very virtuous and I feel as if when you look at a divorce and a man's looking at a uh, a viable option for a, a nurturing woman. He sees, he wants to see his wife in that role, but he mm-hmm. sees this woman who, you know, is a Jenny and, you know, uh, playing dual roles um, with a straight face. But it's, it's basically him finding that op, or that seeing that optimal and that, that caregiver. That, well, it's also a replacement too. That's right. Well, exactly. I think a lot of people look at it and this is the whole possession you don't look at another human being. This is your wife's replacement, a that's new right. possession. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm getting, and that's where possession uh, really shines. Like in just, oh my god, it's such a good movie. It's a very dense movie. There's a lot to unpack and interpret, and um, it, like even um, with yeah, with that performance, I just, I just, I with the the teacher role, it yeah. just it really. Um, it's really something, you know, like I said, a lot of the nurturing that happens. And I, even, I think, a lot of the intentional... The, there's almost, there's a pretty mid, like a pretty spare score for the film. And, yeah. You know, it um, it works well. You don't need... Because the film's very raw. It feels like it, a lot of... The whole movie's a raw nerve. And it... Um, mm-hmm. And the heightened... I think uh, we were mentioning this, like anyone who's had their heart broken. I remember uh, I lived in a very slummy place for a little while. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of down-and-out people. Um, it was above a tavern. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, it was pretty pretty bad, but I needed a place to stay. I had no money. Did everybody stuff, know so. your name? Nobody knew my name. They knew me as the guy who uh, is just sort of coming in for a short time and cannot mm-hmm. wait to leave. But there's, you know, life lifers in there. Absolutely. And if you get talking to them, and these are people with drug problems, who you know, more drinking problems, but who are like pissing in jars in their room so they Jeez. don't have to go use a public washroom and just constant. A lot of it is you find out it's broken hearts. It's yeah. they had a woman broken hearts, heart. broken dreams. Yeah, and uh, that's very raw. That ruins lives. Yeah, and I think he heightens like when Sam Neill. Of course, it's a character when he goes through his divorce it's like he's going through the dts yeah but that's how people feel like of he's, course it's and people chuckling at this it's just that unwillingness well you to have connect i i find that yeah um i guess irked me a little in this i reading. agree but you again you can't take it at face value like you said it's heightened for a reason it's meant yeah. to embody the height of that emotion for a sustained uh length of time in a scene in a film you know, I loved seeing things like when he, and I mentioned, I know when we reviewed it, one of my favorite moments in the film is seeing him just unhinged out of his mind in that rocking chair. Yeah. Like just, you know, to the point where it's about to not knock over. 
he's about to fall over and it, it just and his eyes are you know he doesn't blink doesn't um, blink he's almost catatonic it just and like people I guess people in the cinema thinking like this is him overacting it's like no this is obviously not just an overacting well, uh, the film isn't about subtle or nuance because when, a, when you have that your emotions run that high mm-hmm. there isn't really a subtlety and you see there's a lot of bargaining going on in the film and pleading mm-hmm. and you you get Samuel like you said going through well going through all the all the steps denial, and the progressions yeah. denial and what have you and there's moments when he has these little moments of strength that crumble very quickly and <laughs> um, I have to say I, I'd be curious what our, some of our female listeners think but I do feel very much like uh, Johnny is vilified in a lot of ways and I feel that Neil you know the, one of the scenes too since I became a father that really struck me was we see and I, I didn't really I see I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here I'm excited to talk about the film um, is how Johnny's character essentially abandons the child yeah and that that right there goes against the very fiber of what society has interpreted a woman to be which is a mother and Neil Although he's, you know, he's certainly not. Well, um, he's ready to abandon the boy right out of the gate. Initially, until he but sees when the boy. Humanity comes humanity in. comes in. And it's not just a bargaining chip. That's right. That's right. And then, exactly, because at that point, it, that's what it is for him. It's leverage. It's a bargaining chip for him to use. Um, because he, he, see, he overestimates um, her nurturing nature. Yep. He assumes that her nurturing nature is going to kick in, and it doesn't. A sense of self. <laughs> well, stays think with of what her. he does to the restaurant after well, she reveals, yeah. like, that's not going to be a viable bargain bargaining yeah, chip. That's right. Uh, he acts out essentially, but yeah, the whole movie. And I do love the idea of uh, you know all these people treating other people how it relates to them. Absolutely, um, and only and an unwillingness, and almost not even. I don't even want to say an unwillingness, but almost like. They're so blind to anything but how they Inter- that's right, need that or... or Absolutely, to, to looking in the camera and like how she's getting that ballerina to do what she wants and yeah. she's maneuvering to the point where my favorite character, Heinrich, yes. set, says I for her. She mm-hmm. uh, says I instead of me for her. It's, it's, you know, it's such a good film. And then you get religion in there and then you get the divided Germany and you get the doppel. It, it just... Well, the, the it's dub- such a good film. The doppelganger thing, not to give too much away. Here's another thing that, that always struck me, and I don't know if I ever mentioned it in our previous review, is how much I feel like uh, the Rimbaldi creature is is um, Clive Barker, like a Hellraiser. Yeah. Like that's so that to me is so much Uncle Frank. It's Uncle Frank, right? Yeah, very much so. This sort of. Uh... I don't think it's Sam Neill come back from hell. I think it is. No, no, no. But I think there's a loose. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, no, but no, no. But I think there's a loose. Um, there's a parallel. I don't mean certainly in terms of what what's going on as subtext, but in a very literal sense. With yeah. What with her, her character is very much a horror, and just like the the gross mother stepmother character, such a is a horror, and there's murder happening. And to the point where he becomes whole again. Yeah. Right? Um, well, I also think it's her version of him. You Absolutely. Know, everything is... Uh, uh, I, and I'll just stick with him. Um, but 
Yeah, I also think she isn't completely vilified. I no, think no. she, you know, with the whole faith and chance, um, which I remember us talking about, what was uh, the two birds in... Uh, yeah, it's funny you said, because I was thinking about that. Confessions of Evil, confe- or not Confession of Evil. Lesson, Lesson of, of evil. evil, yeah. I was thinking about that same thing, and, and magnificent. And, <laughs> and also, we have to think of chance, because remember, as Chance Boudreau says, his mama took one. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, uh, but no, she is she is made to be sympathetic. Like in yeah, sense, no, she is. She gives up her humanity at a certain point. There's a lot going on in it. Yeah, I don't think, and I do think this is made by a broken-hearted man. Yes, that's important to say. It's not. It's from a man's perspective. Sam Neill yes. is sympathetic. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. he is poor me. Yes. Um, much like, I think, David Cronenberg's a brood. Uh, Art Hindle, we're very much behind Art Hindle. Yeah, but I, I, I would feel, in fact, that Cronenberg vilifies his female lead more than a Johnny. Without question. Much more so. Her, the, the, the female lead, I can't remember her name, the British actress mm-hmm. in The Brood is much more of a oh, well, monster. Well, she's a monster, yeah. yeah. She's a straight-up monster. Yes. Whereas, and that's Cronenberg's... Angst. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's valid. Oh, like, for, for sure. When you're I don't think you have to follow someone to... No. Like, art is art. Um, yeah. You mean Hindelor is in... Uh, <laughs> yeah, art. Hindle is art. Hindle. <laughs> Why can't it be? Yes. Art and Hindle and Garfunkel can't get along. Okay, so... <laughs> but, uh, and then, of course, Antichrist, where Von Trier goes through a number of things to sort of vilify women he does but I have a very and it was interesting because Rick and I when we reviewed Antichrist it's interesting we've reviewed all three of those films on our show Antichrist Possession and The Brew Um, when we reviewed Antichrist he and I had a completely different interpretation in fact we didn't see the Gainsbourg character and we've said you know off the air Gainsbourg is very much channeling her inner Johnny and her most unhinged but I don't feel that um, he demonizes Gainsbourg to the point like I feel like there's there's some remorse and there's some things that her character does not and some some strong pangs of guilt uh, with her removing something as sort of a punishment and a and, a, and trying to absolve herself of wrongdoing and to but ensure. also to take away what is making her exactly evil. precisely um, so there's a conscious decision to try to extract that but should you like if you weren't telling this from a misogynistic point of view should you have to should, should that be something you want to extract Which, no of course no it shouldn't no be. it should not be but, but i think that's a von Trier, and i love antichrist i'd yeah. probably give antichrist like 9.5 it's, it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant 10. it's a brilliant film um it's incredible and i think once again it's not a film i think i have to agree with the ideas behind it no i but i certainly as a human being I've felt angst. I've felt brokenhearted. I, I can connect with these things. And, Absolutely. You know, if Lars von Trier gets happily married, and has, of course he's going to look back at that as can, a, how he felt at that moment, and that's valid. Absolutely. And I, I often think, it's funny, I was just thinking about this because I was listening to the Sylvain Gold review of um, Cannibal, Cannibal Ferox. Yep. And uh, I was thinking how, and I was thinking about Serbian film a few weeks ago, and how a lot of times in, in we as as men are young we're very angry and aggressive mm-hmm. and a lot of that gets worn off us and a lot of times like you see filmmakers I'm trying to think I was thinking of a specific filmmaker but um, their their life 
and their perception of things gets colored a lot more pleasantly when you have kids and you have marriage. Yeah, um, there's more hope. There's more hope, absolutely. And you see that in a lot of... And even someone like um, Gaspar, no Gaspar Noé, I feel like there's been a progression with him through each of his films because his films have always had a through line with family and the ripple effects of violence mm -hmm. and a doomed sense of existence but I feel like there's been a more of a, a poignancy and almost a tender nature as his films as he's gone on to make but yet I think he keeps it that balancing act because if we're talking the end of Enter the Void which could be looked at as optimistic yeah but there's a word that comes up at the end mm. that kind of takes away that optimism yeah, um, I can't recall what the word is. It's been a few years, but... Essentially, the movie begins with Enter the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, I don't know if it's as optimistic, his sort of uh, circle to, of storytelling. But I feel like there's more optimism there than there was in I Stand Alone, which is oh, a fucking horrifying ending. Well, I think Irreversible is his most nihilistic I, film ever. I would disagree. I would, I would think there's a, a, a melancholy and a bittersweet... Um, feeling uh, but I think he stomps all over that at the end I think, I think I, I don't, he zooms out essentially yeah. and goes into the universe right and this is talking about the ending of a movie but he says essentially I don't want to say but no. his final statement in sure. that is almost nullifying these really powerful things it's almost like he in a nihilistic way says and you know what in the grand scheme of things, what what's it matter? So I think when he goes to, uh, much like the happy ending in quotation marks at the end of I Stand Alone, right? That's a trick. Yeah. At the end. And but that's that. But that's the mark of an angry filmmaker who wants to provoke his audience and really kick them in the gut. Yeah. And with each film that's gone on, I feel like they're at least with Enter the Void, or not Enter the Void with um, Irreversible. There's there's a, a lament on the part of him as the director with the final uh, scene and, and what happens, the tragedy of what could have been. Um, whereas I feel like it's it's there in Ice and Alone, but it's much more angry and cynical and there's more of a, a willingness to provoke and, and incite anger in his audience. Now this is going to sound a little maybe too... Um, not pretentious, but it, it's... Uh, but I think the reason angry filmmakers are angry, whether it be the filmmaker behind Serbian film Gaspar Noe is because they are emotional and they want to see something good. I think, you As know... people if, that are bitter at the world. If you're, if you're Brett Ratner, of course yeah. you're going to make the... Well, you don't really think that much. Yeah. Nothing Like, from as far back as, like, Dostoevsky and stuff, yeah. he writes this fiction because he feels... He sees the injustices and it means something to him. Yeah. And I think with these angry films, we dismiss a lot of them as, oh, he's angry. But it's not just he's angry, he he wants better. Well, precisely. Um, and, it, and that's what I get a lot out of these yeah. angry films, is that it shouldn't be this way. It's an angry... It's, you know, someone saying, it's, this is wrong. It's someone crying out at them being, um, I think, hurt at the loss of, of warmth in their lives. Uh, or even just looking at the world in general. Yeah, like, or, or, or the, the loss or absence of warmth in their world or, yep. or the world because I've often seen I've spoken to men I'm friends with um, and have a bit of a defense mechanism and even a cynicism sometimes too or even not just men women 
a cynicism towards love and towards things and the way they speak about it, but that comes from a place of hurt. Yeah. And, like, I, I think with every angry movie, there's hope there, too. They, that you, you can't make an angry movie and not give a shit. Um, you, you, if you didn't, if you didn't give a shit, you wouldn't be trying to work through things on, on, on through your art. Yeah, like I'm not talking August Underground, which is no, just, just trash. you know, like let's gross people out. Yeah. I'm talking like, uh, yeah, the films made by someone who, why is it like this? Like, I know you're not a fan of the end of uh, Serbian film. Why are we talking about the ends of movies so yeah. much? On this is going to well, be like the spoiler uh, midnight. Well, we haven't spoiled anything though. But the end of a uh, Serbian film I know you don't like. The very end. Whereas I, I think it can be no other way. Yeah. I think any other ending is a lie. But I, I think it's just, okay, you've rubbed our nose in it enough. Like, but I get it. Yeah, I think... Do you need to go that far? I, do, I think he needed to. I think, I honestly... Um, Victoria to, Park. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, to tell it any other way, life doesn't end with, uh, you know, this... Honorable. I think I just uh, cut someone off. Sorry. Did you catch me cutting someone no, off? No. Oh, okay. But all. yeah, it doesn't end with this like wonderful thing. A lot of times, life ends in shit. But it already um, had ended in shit. I don't. I, and then it I, ended I, in vomit and feces <laughs> and 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 snot and semen and spit. You know, he piled everything on at that point when it was there was already enough. Mis- then I see. Here's the thing. It went from being. Yeah, the stretch of him to being misery porn. Whereas I would disagree. I think to end, if that that last moment wasn't there, I probably wouldn't have liked the ending. I would think like, wow, way to sort of go against everything you were saying. I I still quite like Serbian film. In fact, I believe it made either my honorable mentions or my top 30 a few years ago. But not to seem like I don't like the film. No, no, and but, if you uh, didn't like it, there's enough people who don't like it that yeah. I respect their opinion of course, and I 100%. Respect, and that's the kind of film, you know, there's been some discussion, you know, and some sort of contentious discussion about people saying, well, that film's not for me, and I don't want to, and people getting angry saying, well, how do you know? And I would say to people that say, you know, well, why, well how do you know it's not for you if you don't watch it? I can understand someone not wanting to watch that, because as I've gotten older, I, I don't have the same capacity to watch certain things. I agree. So I don't begrudge anyone for... Well, I agree with myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think, well, you got to watch fucking Cannibal Holocaust, and you got to watch, uh, you know, every cruel, gross film under the sun. No, you don't. You reach a point where it's fatigue. Like like that film, Michael, I think it was out a few years ago, about that fucking pedophile. Oh, yeah. I, I can't bring myself to watch that. I have kids. I'm sure it's a well-made film, but there's things I cannot... I can't muster up the, the heart to watch. There's enough fear in my heart for my kids and my friends kids you know that I don't I can't I can't bear to watch that and I think you know you should be able to choose what you want to watch absolutely like, if you don't want to watch Serbian film or if you don't like Serbian film that's your thing yeah it, there's no right or wrong answer for art no. like something connects with you um, you know some some people love certain films that I think, like Gravity, for example. Yeah. I'm not right. Gravity isn't a bad film because I didn't like it. Correct. Um, it really works with some people. That's right. So, yeah, I, 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 I think the reason uh, transgressive films are on the mind is because Possession is quite it's, transgressive and we just walked out of it. Yeah, very much so. And it's, uh, But, yeah, it's... Uh, 
it's it's a brilliant film, and I think it, it's its influence on a lot of film in the 32, 33 years since it's been made can't be overstated. And you were saying you think the uh, DOP from uh, Angst? I believe it was the same DOP from Angst. That would that make sense, because the yeah, shots are that's beautiful right. in possession. Amazing. If it wasn't Angst, then it was something else of the time, and a sort of Eastern blocky that was really, really, really good. I can't... It's going to bother me. But... Um, I was going to say the ending. You know, one thing I've never understood about possession. Here we go with endings again. <laughs> is and this is something that I could never wrap my head around until this time. Is I won't really reveal too much. I don't think it's really spoiling anything. But the son goes to the bathtub, right? Yeah. And I was always like, man, why is he doing that? But I thought, and it's accompanied by noises of bombs and war and destruction, which to a child to hear their parents fight and argue is a destructive. It's scary. It's terrifying. Their their world seems like it's uh, at war and not just that but the bathtub when you when in moments that they would say you go to a bathtub because it's the safest place i i think that too but i also think with the whole idea and yes the whole uh sam neill and all that i also think that there's that they're becoming sort of uh you know, when you lose your humanity, and it's at a certain point in a relationship, you start bending, and she starts bending, and you start becoming these different people, and I think it has a little bit to do with that, like the war of a relationship, and the war... And the war with self. Yeah, the war with self, and I think there is a lot of that where the child, like, he kind of, in a sense, sees that they've lost, I guess, in a way. Is how I read it uh, when I first saw it, but absolutely the whole like uh, someone showing up and stuff. It, it's it's as I s- mentioned. I think the filmmaker's smarter than me. I would yeah. almost want yeah. him to say this is what. And I wa- I watched the commentary. I guess yeah. listened to the commentary ages ago. Yeah, I listened to some of it. I, I got to go back and listen. Actually, I can. I got to get the blue. I gave my disc to Aaron. Oh, nice. Did yeah. he like it? Oh, yeah, because he'd never seen it. What was the second feature on it? Shock, Mario Bava. That's a weird... It's uh... a weird double, I know. But I got the disc cheap, and the other one was out of print, and I was like, oh, it's going to go blue one day, so I'll just buy the blue. I yeah. It's a Region B blue, but also I'll get it. And it's, uh, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a great film. I would say... I wouldn't go into Maker Breaks, but my score for the film would probably be... Uh... For Possession? Yeah. Do you know what your score would be? Oh, easy. What is it? Probably nine, nine point two five nine, somewhere there. Yeah, I'd say probably a nine. Yeah, I think it's a fucking astounding film. It's astounding uh, film. yeah, it's like uh, and I don't think Antichrist would exist. Watching it this no. time, I don't know if Antichrist would exist without this film. And frankly, to the wonder, which is the uh, Malik film I told you about, and I've said this online, and I was quite proud of myself. For connecting the dots, I feel like it's it's Malik's take on possession because it's it's more bitter and cynical about relationships, and the inevitability of certain things and the inability of of in this case again a woman to do certain things and the restlessness of a woman's soul. Mm-hmm. Um, you see very much on display with Olga Kurylenko, who bears at least a passing resemblance to Ajani, right? Not well, to now say, I have to see that. Like, and uh, I love the film. It's still very Malikian, but it's it's a little bit more decidedly more cynical than than Tree of Life. And well, it's weird because Tree of Life, even though it's not super cynical, it, near the back end it becomes sort of this inevitable march toward. But yeah, like it's the father. Yeah. That's kind of for the most part in Tree of Life, 
the one who's flawed, in a sense, who's not put on a pedestal. The mother is very, very much, but he has a thing for showing maternal figures yeah. in a field with their skirts blowing in the wind and, and sort of a frozen pose. I, see, I, I, I always, when talking about that film, I feel like people, to me, overstated Pitt's villainy in that. Mm-hmm. I felt like he was a father who loved his children very Absolutely. much. Absolutely. He's not a villain at all in the movie. He, he just, uh, you know, doesn't make the right decision every time, like a human being. Yeah. In movies, we want people to always be right. Like, you know, like, I would have done this. It's like, well... But he's not me. I can't... Yeah, I'm I not... Can't, I can't impose my laws on him. And also, when you make mistakes, you can look back and say, I would have done that. Of course. But no, people don't do... That's why people make mistakes. You can look back... Learn from them. Yeah, and to this day, I still make mistakes that I'm sure years from now I'll look back and say, I should have done this. And I think it is that, like, people imposing, like, they want these perfect characters to be... Not even... Just perfect, to always make the right decisions in movies. I Um, I think we're all guilty of that to a degree. Oh, for, for sure. I, I think I, if you're disliking a movie... You'll, you'll definitely... That starts coming in. Yeah, you're more inclined to start picking... I can tell you, since I've gotten married, being a child of divorce, I've, I've seen... I have a very low tolerance for shenanigans and infidelity, whether it's athletes, celebrities. I lose a lot of respect in this day and age when I see that happening. Mm-hmm. And even in films, like if there's a character I like and I see he's like a scumbag, he's cheating. If I really love the film, then I'm... I'm not only to overlook the act, but I'm, uh, it doesn't stick in my craw as much because there's a lot more to look at with the film. But with the character, if that happens, it really it does bother me. Without question, Whereas I Whereas when I was younger, I wouldn't have given a fuck about that. And it's weird because a lot of times something as simple, as simple, as almost common as infidelity... Yeah, common is, is a good word, yeah. ...harder to forgive than murder in a movie. Oh, absolutely it is. Um, where murder, let's face it, it's horrific. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and infidelity, it's like a forgivable... So, you know, sure. hopefully you become a better person after and this and that. And it was a mistake where there's people who just cheat on their spouses and don't Left give a shit. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's funny how it's the more... It's much like how a paper cut affects people more than a decapitation. Yeah, or because a tooth being pulled out or a fingernail coming off. Yes, so since murder is this make-believe thing that... That's right. ...usually does not enter people's realm of existence. Whereas infidelity does. You, it cuts the bone. You either know someone who's been... You've been ...cheated impacted. on, you've been cheated on. You, yeah. It, like, it's, it's a real thing. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's weird how a lot of times those little sins are way less forgivable than, you know... Henry's a serial killer um, who kills a bunch of people, but, you know, he's, he's got a good heart. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, he kind of falls in love, but, yeah, had he cheated on someone, screw that guy. Yeah, it's minus 10 out. Can you believe that, to digress? Jeez. We chose a day of, like, the snowstorm. <laughs> yeah, it was storming. Let me ask you a few questions, if I may. Oh, yeah, Just without, couple, quest- without question. <laughs> That's um, kind of a... With the oxymoron? I tried not to answer these in my own head ahead of All time. Right. Uh, we'll try to make this I mean, Is this a question? Because I think I said only four about my wiener. I won't I had, answer all well, of them about, about my wiener. wiener but all I'll right, good. I could have done four, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> give me, and it doesn't have to be five, but if you can think of five, great. Top five working actors today. Sam Rockwell. Um, maybe Michael Sheen. 
Okay. Um, who will I go see a movie just because he's acting in it? Um, oh, man, when I... This is the problem with top of your head. Is Do you want me to start what? going then? You can chime back in? Um, yeah, go, go okay. with yours. Michael Shannon. They, and I'm not going to say necessarily that they're the best, but guys, for me, I will always go see. It's a combination of like and, and respect their skill. Javier Bardem. Mm-hmm. Um, I think McConaughey's been on fire the past yeah, couple of years. his career's made a Thank complete... goodness. He was in, in relation, Rome, rom-com hell. Um, well, he did try and get out with Frailty and Reign of Fire yeah. and then kind of got his yeah. uh, fingers burnt and went back to the rom-com. Um, oh, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's in there for me. Absolutely. Um, there's got to be another British actor in there for me. I was... Um, let me think. Because right. I was just thinking about... Go ahead. Do you know? Or do you want me to just keep No, no, I'm trying this? to think now. Like, cut, it, cut in whenever you... Trying to think, uh, actor. You know, this oh, is a really. She would tell a GF4. And Michael Fassbender. Okay. Um, Michael Fassbender's a good one. I would say, and granted, not every performance he gives is amazing, but I really like Susumo uh, Terajima. He's usually beat Takeshi's right hand man. Yeah, yeah. He's in yeah. a lot of uh, yeah, he's got a Korea bit of a weak, films. A bit of a weak chin, right? Yeah, I yeah, love that guy. He's in Afterlife, yeah. he's like this sweet man, yet I've seen him play. Harsh, um, and I'm trying to think. Like, uh, what's his name too? Uh, Twilight Samurai, um, uh, Hiroyuki Sanada. Is it? No. Uh, you know what? I I'm gonna have to believe you on that one. I still have not seen that movie. So good. Uh, or even what's his name? I'm gonna go to Japan. Um, Tadanobu Asano. It's pretty watchable. Y- you know, I'm gonna say another one. Anthony Wong. I yeah, fucking Wong's love pretty, Anthony and Wong. And yeah, I'm a big Simon Yam fan. I love Yam. I watch a lot of junk just because he's in it. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, uh, when he's in it, it's not junk. That's it right. suddenly gets elevated. Yeah, Day Without a Policeman is a masterpiece, right. but put anyone else in it. It's junk. Um, but yeah, Anthony Wong, because I was just thinking, uh, Tomiko really wants to see the new It Man, yeah. which has Anthony Wong in it. That's and when right. I found out Anthony Wong's in it, that really excited me. Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be other people that come to my head. But, that's probably, that's um, pretty but good. the first one that came in my head was Rockwell. So that, if you I did, really love I, Sam I Rockwell. I quite like Sam Rockwell. I think he's a very underappreciated actor. For me, it would probably my favorite. Would probably, I have to say, I wasn't on the Fastbender train for a long time. Oh, really? Even after Inglorious Past, I liked him. Mm-hmm. I liked him in films, and he, he was always great in the films. But it's only when with McQueen, with um, shame. Hunger, Hunger, Shame, and 12 Years a Slave. So I just saw him in 12 Years a Slave last week, or this week, and it fucking knocked me out, man. He was fucking outstanding. So now it's like, okay, I'm definitely on the Fastbender train now. Yeah, you know? he's... But, I've liked, I also liked, and I don't think that variety is going to be around much longer, but the fact he'd be in Blood Creek... No, no, I, I was and, thinking about that. It's, yeah. And Centurion, and then, like, and then in these sort of, this. like, hunger... Because he's getting into real rarefied air, but... Yeah, there's... It, those days are gone. He's Sadly. not going to be sort of jumping in from budget dollar, to budget yeah. and genre to genre. No, that's true. But Hardy, but Hardy Bardem are probably the top. Hardy for, for sure. When I found out Hardy's working with Takeshi Miike, I was like giggling like a little girl. That's pretty. Yeah, that's I pretty was so happy to hear that. Okay, good stuff. Um, Friedkin, De Palma, or Schrader? I'm going to go Schrader. Are you? I really Why? love a lot of Schrader's, like, yeah. from Affliction to Hardcore yeah. to Blue Collar. Yeah. And then the shit he's writ- written, the, as I call it shit, the stuff he's written. Yeah. Raging Bull, Taxi Driver. Um, 
I, I just, I love his work. And yeah. even with all his flubs, like what was that one he did with Skeet Ulrich Touch or something? Oh, yeah. He's made some real stinkers. Um, not even stinkers, but like he's missed. Yeah. Swung and missed a couple times. Okay. Um, his body of work hit me so hard. Yeah, he's got a real good early run. Yeah, and it was and, a big and part of me becoming a movie fan was seeing Raging Bull and, and uh, Taxi Driver and Light Light Sleeper. I fucking loved Light Sleeper. Yeah, but you're forgetting a big one. A Paul Schrader one? Yeah. I can't believe you haven't mentioned it yet. How? Okay. Written or directed? Directed. And I'm pretty sure he wrote it as well. I would say it's it's one of the most critically underseen masterpieces of the past 30 years. I still haven't seen The Canyons. It's, yeah, well. <laughs> um, Dude. Critically you... underrated master. Is it recent? Not, not critically underrated. I feel like oh, in terms of... Underseen. A, a cr- criminally underseen. I wonder if I've seen it. You have seen it because you've reviewed it with me on our show. Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's like his best film. It's how his best you, film. How can you not choose Schrader when he did yeah. Mishima? I know, I know. But now you're probably going to yeah. choose someone other I'm gonna than Schrader. I'm going to go probably Friedkin, man. I don't know. It's hard for me. I love all three guys. It's a real It's a, it's it's a real a horse real... race. I love, love all three of those. Friedkin, Cruising, and Sorcerer are just... Oh, they're amazing. Tops. And then French Connection. I mean, you can go on and on and on. And even his comeback now with Killer, Killer Joe. Joe. Yeah, no, for um, sure. You seldom... I thought Friedkin after The Guardian and sort of... Because... Was To Live and Die in L.A.? It was him, yeah. It was No, him. after The Guardian or before? Because I remember it was before, Jade. Really, like... I like Jade. I saw Jade in theaters. I've never seen it. But, but mind you, I was a high schooler. I just remember Nicolas Cage, Over the Top... I love he's over the ben, top he's bench pressing strippers. That's Maybe I have ben, seen like that stupid I, pleated dress pants. Because around that time, I remember Deadfall came out and stuff. I was really getting into Cage's overacting, Vampires yeah. Kiss, and oh, all dude, that. He's, he's he's selling it in this one. Okay, so who would you see? In what order would you say those three guys then? Because for me, I gotta go. I gotta go. For, oh, fuck, it's hard to bet against Schrader though. Ah, oh, but De Palma, man, I mean that's tough. Uh, do you know which order you would put them in? I'd go Schrader, Friedkin, De Palma, and I fucking love De Palma. It's a tough one. Those like, are three hey, of my favorite filmmakers, man. Yeah, it, it's De Palma's another big reason why I'm a film fan today. I think I might have to agree with you. It's tough, you know. I think about Blue Collar. Think of Mishima. That's that think has to be the, that. That's the one that trumps for me anything that Friedkin's done. Yeah, and I love I love Friedkin, man. But Mishima's it's a glorious. master. That's what I'm saying. Not enough people love like. Rate that film. That, that thing needs a fucking Blu-ray. And it's even ridiculous. if you look at, uh, why can I not think of it? Robert Mitchum, uh, Ken Watanabe. Oh, oh, uh, Ken the Watanabe. Yaku- Is the it the Yakuza? Yeah, Yakuza. Sidney Pollock directed it, yeah. 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 Which, didn't he write that with his brother? I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure they did, yeah, and his brother produced it. Yeah, that's an amazing, I love that You know, film. that's just a straight-up yeah. kick-ass film. So, yeah, I would And Rolling Thunder. A, yeah. Another cool fi- like just film, like just Schrader's run is John so Flynn directed good. that, right? Yeah, I Pretty actually, uh, I have no idea. Pretty sure it was Flynn. Yeah, that's a, that is a great run. Um, okay, uh, this, the the Mishima segues into my next question. Three underappreciated master underappreciated masterpieces that everyone needs to see. I'll do mine first. Mishima, come and see. Fuck. 
and Rumblefish. There's a lot of Uncool Cat in... Uh, a lot of Uncool Cat. Rumblefish is amazing. It is. I had I recommended that to a friend who was angry. He said it was like a student film. Oh, I could not are you comprehend, crazy, like, man? how are you not liking it? Yeah, it's so good. Um, that's one I'm, review I'm proud of that we did, actually. It's That's a very good show you did. I remember listening to that. Yeah, thanks, um, And, yeah, that was excellent. Coppola, man. Fuck. He's, a, he's brilliant, man. Talk I, I, about a director who should be... He, that guy can make shit for the rest of can. his life. He, and he, who cares? He can make Twix forever now, man. And I'm, I want to get into his new stuff, too. I'm very I curious to try... Uh, Tetro. Tetro and yeah. Youth Without Youth yeah, and stuff. me too. I've yet to touch any of that stuff yeah. since Jack. I don't think I've watched anything beyond Jack. I haven't even seen Jack. You're not you're not missing yeah. <laughs> anything. Yeah. Um, I, it was one I watched super late at night. I got yep. home from work at midnight. I started watching it at 2 or something. And I didn't know it was going to turn sad. I thought it was just a call. So it actually hit me because oh, my defenses were down. Yeah. It was like late at night. Um, but underappreciated masterpieces, for some reason, Pennies from Heaven is popping Which in I my head. Seen, yeah. Um, but just because we were talking about mm-hmm. it today, and Mishima, of course, because we were talking about that today. Um, shit, underappreciated masterpieces that, like, I... <sighs> Alright, give me... I'm gonna say Survive Style 5. That is so good. I so think good. that people who like Guy Ritchie and... Like, a lot of that frenetic filmmaking really need to see that movie. But I think you would be shortchanging it to people that don't like Guy Ritchie because it's... Oh, I don't. I think people not to who describe, like I that, like Guy Ritchie, but I think some people would hear Guy Ritchie... I'm actually think, not oh. a Guy Ritchie fan. Yeah, it's it's Japanese. It's amazing. It's the eclectic. The set design. Taste of Tea. Uh, who is it? Um, What's his name? Uh, it's not the Taste of Tea no? guy who did Funky Forest. Oh, yeah. I, sorry. I'm in between that. Funky Forest and Survive Style 5, I was really battling in my head which one am I going to say yeah. Funky Foresters because I was trying to think of movies that are really kinetic and fun and sure. people would have a good time yeah. watching it yeah. um, and it's funny I made that mistake but they're both great films oh and they're both similar they're yeah. very stylized yeah, they they're very fun it Ishii Turo Ishii is that his name right yes the Taste of Tea and uh, Funky Forest yeah and uh, didn't he do Funky Forest along with Kill Bill he did the Kill Bill the animated segment? Yeah. I believe he might have. Um, but yeah, I saw Funky Forest in the theater. Amazing. Oh, I wish. Amazing. That was at Toronto After Dark. Yeah. Yeah, fuck. I was really I was hoping. To you know there's screening. a sequel out fuck. now? I didn't know that. There's a sequel out. Funky oh, something else. And I was really hoping Toronto After Dark would get it this year. Because it's out. What a bummer. But uh, I guess the search is on. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say... Shit. Um... What's a movie I think is brilliant that not enough people have seen? I'm going to go... Fat City. I nice. think more people That's a need fucking to amazing see Fat film. City. Amazing film. So I love The Wrestler, um, yeah. but I think that owes a lot to Fat City. Oh, absolutely it does. Um, Fat City's amazing. It's such a good film. So that's my uh, okay, American. Good. And let's think of another one quick, quick, quick. Fuck it, I'm saying Mishima. More people need to see Mishima. They do. That's like, honestly, that's like a 9.5, 9.75 for me. I think I gave it 9.75. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And the only reason I never gave it a 10 is I don't want to be the guy. Now that Rick's done Halloween 10 out of 10. Did he maybe give Halloween I could... a 10, eh? He really yeah. did. 
Yeah, he gave 10 out of 10. I remember thinking, finally, now wow. if I guest review, I don't have to be the first one to... The first one. I give Mishima 10 out of 10. I think I gave Martyrs a 10, but I, I retract that. I still think it's the horror film of the past 30 years, but I think a 10 maybe is a little bit high. But, but yes, uh, I will okay. say Mishima, just because cool. more people need to see yeah, it. And come and see, yeah, I second that, those, that just for astounding, sure. astounding, astounding films. I, I always, yeah. when I find out people haven't seen Come and See, That's I always the, like, you need to see yeah. it. A big, big, big kudos to you for that. Last question, because we're, uh, I gotta be recording our normal show in three and a half hours. Yikes. Um, what? Looking forward to it, by the way, Thank in the realms of the, realm of the senses. And yeah. what's the other one? Uh, it's not the Sangre, man. Fuck, that's a show. Yeah. That is a show. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I wanted the blues, so. Man. So I picked it, yeah. It's going to be a good one. I'm excited. A lot to talk about. A lot. And uh, the trailer came out for Nymphomaniac, so that's a little bit of yeah. uh, uh, serendipity, I guess, with yeah. uh, hardcore pornography right. being shown in uh, yeah, yeah, not-safe-for-work trailers. Watching in the realm of the senses this time, having been more familiar with Wine Tree's work, and I'll mention our episode... You can see that Von Trier was influenced by it. Cool. Very much. But uh, biggest sort of genre or subgenre that's the biggest, like the biggest blind spot for you. Like you feel like, you feel like. I'd like to get more into. Yeah. That list I of you were talking, say... like you couldn't really keep hang with a conversation no. on something. I'm going to say. I'm going to say Yakuza films. Oh, I'm surprised. It's such a vast thing. Yeah. I think I know, you know, the heavy hitters. Yeah. But if you were to talk about underappreciated... Yeah, like uh, hidden gems and stuff, sure. I'd be completely out yeah, of the conversation. Yeah. I have a ton of books on them and stuff, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, I really need to see more Yakuza films because it's seldom I see a Yakuza film I don't like. It's dog shit. So, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's one of those. And I just love... Japanese style filmmaking Agreed. and there's you know the sort of uh, very almost Ozu shot Yakuza films like very and then you get the Seijan Suzuki so there's a Stylish, lot to yeah. chew on in there like it's not just like say I was to say spaghetti westerns they all have that sort of that aesthetic it's very there's a limited frame or scope as to what it's yeah whereas Yakuza I think you could get a lot lot to have because they're crime films essentially that's right uh, but yeah I'm going to say Yakuza films cool I, I'd love to know more about them uh, I'm going to say I'm going to make a big sort of blanket thing and say pre-1950s film so that's silent but also noir I feel like you know I see like maybe 10 15 noirs a year but I always feel like I got to see more yeah, I always enjoy them when I see them, yeah, but I yeah. find that wanting to see them I have is to that muster up, Yeah, I have to muster up the thing to be like, okay, I'm going to watch silent film, I'm going to watch uh, noir. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I used to be that way with documentaries. I had to kind of muster up the, the thing to do it, but once I did, I was glad I did. Yeah. You know? But. And yeah, I'm that way too. I, li I don't mind seeing old movies, but I'd be lying if I didn't say I prefer new film. Well, let's face it, man. Like for me, I always, I always default to like 80s junk action or 70s film. And, you know, and it's like, otherwise I have to make a bit of, or newer stuff, you know, I always got to make a conscious decision to be like, okay, I'm going to go watch something, you know, silent or whatever. Yeah, it's not something you, it, it almost seems like a chore. 
as yeah. opposed to, and then when you watch it, it's like, why don't I do this all the time? Yeah. Double Indemnity is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Um, and yeah, then, you know, the next time comes up and I want to watch, you know, something recent or something, you yeah. know, even, um, trying to think like the one I really wanted to watch this weekend, Prisoners. I haven't seen oh, Prisoners yet. Oh, it's so good. Yet. Yeah, it's so good. Um, so yeah, it's hard to say, oh, I'm going to watch Double Indemnity, but I really want to see Prisoners because it's so in the now. That's right. Um, That's right. So yeah, it's tough to beat that, uh, being a film fan. And same with Yakuza and stuff, oh, too. Yeah. And it, it's certainly, I've enjoyed everyone I've seen, but the Nakatsu box that I have from Criterion, yeah. still haven't watched them all. I'm oh, sure I'll fuck. love them all. That's like, I was so excited to get the Criterion BBS, America Lost and Found. Oh my God. Did you get that on I Blue? Got, I got it on Blue. That is a What a set. fucking set. Holy what shit. What a set that is. And I was like, man, I'm going to watch these all right away. The only one I've watched was Jack Nicholson, the Jack Nicholson directed one, Drive, huh? he said. Oh yeah, that's right. I've seen, I've seen Last Picture Show. I've seen King of Marvel. I've seen, all, I love those films. Yeah. But I want to watch them on Blue. I've never seen Drive. Oh, fuck. It's pretty good, man. It's a pretty good film. I quite like you it. You know what I'm seeing this week, by the way? What? Speaking of uh, the old guard, yeah, sort yeah. of uh, 70 cinema, Nebraska, Tomiko and I oh, are going nice. to see. Oh, nice. My boss is going to sit with Payne in, the, in, in attendance doing a Q&A. Cool. Yeah. I, that has a cast. Dern. And... Dern, which I remember bemoaning. Uh, I saw a movie called Coffin Baby, and Bruce Dern has a small part in it. It's a piece of shit horror film, and I'm like... How did this happen to Bruce Stern? Poor Bruce. He's an amazing actor, Like, man. he should be... Like, I know it's a ch- paycheck and stuff, but he really should be treated with more respect than this. He's... Then yeah. two days later, I saw the Nebraska trailer, and it made me so happy. But you got Keech in there. Is Keech in it, too? Yep. Oh, fuck. I gotta go see it. You got Bob Odenkirk, who nice. I've, I'm a big Mr. Show yeah, fan. Yeah, I know you are, yeah. Um, and, of course, I like Breaking Bad, too, and I don't know if I... Who's in, I, why, who's from Breaking Bad in this movie? Uh, Bob Odenkirk has a part in Breaking Bad. A oh, is very he, significant is he Saul? Part. Is that, yeah. is I don't know because I've only watched a bit of the first season. but He he pops up, I believe, later. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's very good in it. Nice. And uh, yeah, I even like his brother Solomon. I think it's hilarious and stuff. He doesn't act in it. Right. Uh, Let's Go to Prison isn't so much. Uh, yeah. But, and then, like, even Will Forte, who, once again, I like Brother Solomon, I love MacGruber, I love, like, right. his comedy, to, so to see him in, it's just a oh, really seriously. interesting cast. Wow. I'm sold on Keech and Dern. Keech and Dern. Everything else is great. Do you know, I didn't know this, do you know who uh, Payne was trying to get before he cast uh, Dern? Who I'm super happy Dern's in it. He was trying to get Hackman out of retirement. Yeah, because Hackman hasn't worked in a long time, man. He, well, he retired after yeah. Welcome to Moose Party. He said, my work is done here. He's got and a pretty damn good... I think when we talk about 70s actors, he doesn't get mentioned enough. No. He's in the, I think he's in like the top five, top seven of the decade. Well, I'll be honest. When you gave me that list of three directors, yeah. I was happy to hear Schrader. I don't think Schrader gets mentioned enough. No, he doesn't get mentioned enough. Um, but yeah, Hackman... And I joke about Welcome to Moose Party. He could make uh, a snuff film as his last film, and no one's going to care in 10 years. Ackman's a fucking beast, His man. filmography is yeah. some of the best films out there. Yeah, he's so good. From his little role in Bonnie and Clyde, the two genes, Gene Hackman and Gene right. Wilder, That's right. uh, to, like, French Connection, he made an iconic character, to French Connection 2. Which is a really You want to talk about underrated That's films. That's a good film. That's a good film. His baseball scene in... French Connection 2 is one of yeah. his best performance piece, like, yeah. best performance set pieces I've seen from Hackman. Yeah, he, he and he can even do sensitive stuff, man. There's one I always talk about, like, on TCM 
some time ago, uh, I never sang for my father. It's about a guy with a fractured relationship with his father, and he's a bit of a sensitive guy. I think he's a music teacher at a high school, and his mother dies, and he has to come home, and he's got this new girlfriend, and it's a bit awkward. It's a really good film. It's probably made mid-60s. Well, you even think of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, he's a fragile. How he's yeah. in in that, and, uh, like, as put Popeye Doyle, and I forget his lead, the character's name in the conversation, you put those two oh, beside each other, me. and you would think, um, like, how's this the same actor? Rupert but, Pupkin. No, not Rupert Pupkin. No, that's King of Comedy. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. But, oh, uh, his name is I don't think it's an me. iconic name. I might be wrong, but I don't think it's a name like uh, Tony Montana or something no, that no. just everyone knows. Oh, Scarface. I want to say, though, that the reason I said Rupert Pupkin is because Brian Sauer has used... I know I know he used Hackman's, like the, the picture of Hackman on the phone. Yeah, it's his as blog. His, I wanted to say he used a name somewhere. Because he also used Art Hindle's name in The Brood, to bring it back to The Brood. Oh, cool. Um, and I'm going to forget his character's name in that. Fuck. Oh, well. But you know what? I think we got to wrap it up. I'm getting really tired. It's 1.30 in the morning. We've How recorded long is this 54 thing? minutes. Ridiculous. Yeah, we're past the midnight. We're the 1 a.m. ride. Uh, so I guess, really, you know, there is only one thing left to say. Adios. Adios. Adios.